and open camera right now. Um, our families are here with us, worshiping along with you. We said it in the email that we sent out that um, while we can't be all together under one roof, we can still gather together this morning to worship. So we're so glad that you're taking uh, advantage of that. I'm going to help Scott here bring the <laughs> podium over. Um, church family, thank you, Scott. This is truly an unprecedented uh, time in our nation's history. It's an unprecedented time just really in our world. We've never faced something like this. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty that's happening right now. And so here's my hope as one of your pastors this morning. Here's, here's the hope of the elders. Here's the hope of the staff is that in this moment, as we gather together to worship our God, that, that we can find for our souls the, the hope, the comfort, the assurance that, that, it's, that it needs and that our God provides. And, and so we're going we're gonna to do that this morning. And before we become, come to the word, some of you have, have asked the questions kind of like, what do the next few weeks look like for us as a church family? So let me just spell it out as best I can. Um, the county here in San Diego has asked us not to have any kind of large corporate gatherings for the next three weeks. So that means for this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, we're going to keep doing what we're doing here, which is worshiping together uh, online. We'll be providing that service for all of you. What does that mean in the coming weeks? Well, our, our hope, if God would be so kind, is that the next time we get to gather all together will be Palm Sunday. Um, if, if everything kind of goes as it's going now, that, that is what we're anticipating. But things are still fluid, and, and so that's what we're looking forward to, if God would provide that. But, but we don't know for sure. Um, all of our activities this time as a church, we're going to cancel those. We're just trying to be faithful to the mandate that, that we've been given um, as best we can. We want to be respectful of our government. We want to love our neighbors. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing uh, right now. But, but, with, but with all of those things, with all of those things being said, ultimately, um, what we need right now is, is we need to come before the Lord. We need to hear from him. We need to turn towards him because I believe that, that he is the one that provides the answers and gives us what our souls need today. And so um, I just want to really quickly just pray one more time as we prepare to open God's words. Let's do that together. Lord, um, this is your day and this is your world as we're going to see in just a moment. You are in control and over all things. And so, Lord, help our hearts right now, wherever we're at, however, Lord, we're engaging with your word right now to hear from you. Your spirit, praise God, is not relegated to one place, um, but is living and active in your people. And so we're going to call upon you to do the work that you can only do right now. And so we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, I hope there's one near you. Um, I'd ask you to open up to Psalm 102. That's going to be our passage this morning. And as you turn there, I want to get something that I brought with me. Don't worry, I'm not going away. Um, I brought something from home this morning because um, I was thinking back to when we were building our house. This is, this is my ladder from, from home. And when we were um, building our, our house, as we came towards the end, I, I was going around. I was installing some, some lights around my house. And, and uh, I was taking this ladder that I have. It's a telescope, telescoping ladder. So it goes up and down. And it's got different levers here that, that help it to do these different types of things. And and I had set up this ladder, and I had changed some lights in one place, and then I had um, collapsed the ladder, and, and then I had moved it over to another location, and I, and I set it back up, and um, if you heard that, it, it locked in place. 
Well, when I had moved it, though, I was busy with a lot of other things, and, and the reality was it had not locked in place. And I went and I did something else, and then I came back, and I immediately started to climb up on the ladder. See, to me, this ladder, when it's locked in place, it's incredibly stable. It's not going anywhere, especially if it's on level ground. But I started to climb up the ladder, and I got to about this rung right here when, when all of a sudden something happened. The ladder wasn't on a carpet. It was on my brand-new uh, floor that I had installed, and, and the ladder began to slip apart like this. I was about four feet in the air when that happened, and, and here's the deal. Uh, a guy like me, six foot two, this high off, uh, this high up on the ladder, um, I began to collapse with the ladder. So I fell about four feet down because the ladder literally went out from underneath me. Uh, to this day, I still have uh, scars on my shins and on my arm where I fell on the ladder and it dented the floor and, and, and it collapsed underneath me. And, and see, here's the thing about that moment in time was when I looked at the ladder, I, I saw it set up and I thought it was what? Stable. I, I thought it was something that I could climb up onto. I thought it was secure because by all appearances, it seemed that way. It seemed like it was secure. The reality was, though, if I had taken just a little bit of a closer inspection, I would have realized that it hadn't clicked into place. And in fact, it wasn't secure at all. It might have looked secure. It might have looked stable. But in reality, it wasn't. The moment my weight came up on top of it, I discovered that this thing I thought was secure and stable, in fact, wasn't. And the results were were somewhat devastating to my shins. Now, here's the thing. I share that because... Church family, we're in a time right now in our world where often we go through our lives and we, we go through our daily week and we think, you know what, this world is secure. There's some stability that's out there. But then all it takes is like one moment like we're experiencing now and that, like my ladder, comes crashing down. See, by all intents and purposes, our, our world can, can seem somewhat secure and stable. Maybe not a world, but maybe our lives. Maybe we think our lives are secure and stable. Maybe we think we have everything kind of in order. But if we take a closer look, that stability is actually an illusion. In fact, I want you to look now with me at Psalm 102. I love the Bible because it calls it like it sees it. And look at what this psalmist says. We're going to look right now at, at kind of the illusion of stability. The psalmist says in 102, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and is withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. Jump down to verse 11. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Not the most encouraging psalm, but it's a psalm that is actually hearkening to a reality. Does this psalmist sound like a man who's who's comfortable and at peace in his life? Or does it sound like a man who's despairing and a man who is, who's anxious, a man who's in turmoil? That's what this sounds like. This is a man who's in turmoil. He's depressed. He feels like his life is coming apart. And do you know why he feels this way? Do you know why he feels so unstable and unsettled? He actually tells us 
Two things have dawned upon the psalmist. Two things have stood out to him. He's actually taken a moment to step back and examine his life. And when he does it, he finds that things aren't as secure as he thinks they are. Look at this. The first thing that he realizes, the first thing that is causing him anguish is the instability of life. Specifically, his realization that nothing lasts forever. He is mortal. Verse 3 says, For my days pass away like smoke. Verse, or verse 3 says, Then verse 4 says, My heart is struck down like grass and is withered. Verse 11, My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. The psalmist is saying that he's shaken because he's come to the realization that he himself is not going to live forever. His mortality, he's faced with it, and it's causing him great turmoil. It's a a source of, of fear for him. This is something that we as humans don't like to do. One of the things that we don't like to do as humans is we don't like to face our mortality. We do everything we can to inoculate ourselves, to to protect ourselves from from the reality that we are mortal. In fact, I think one of the things that we're seeing in our world today, the cause of so much of fears, of so much panic, is the reality that there's something in our world that people are now clearly aware of that can take their life. And when we're faced with our mortality, if this life is all that there is, yeah, We should be afraid because it means that this isn't going to go on forever and it creates an instability. We like to skim over this, but the Bible doesn't. Job once wrote, for we are but of yesterday and know nothing, Job 8, 9 says, for our days on earth are a shadow. The author Anne Lamont once commented in her writings, 100 years from now, all new people. That's a very sobering statement. And you wonder, like, what has caused this psalmist to recognize the instability of life? It's that he pulled back and he realizes that he's not going to live forever. But it's not just the fleeting nature of life that's caused him turmoil and it's caused him fear. It's not his own mortality that's shaken him and the reality of that. It's also this, that relationships don't last forever. Did you, did you pick that up? In verses 6 and 7, look back at these verses. He says something. He says, as I look at my situation, he says, I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. I think we all know that we're going to die. We all know that our physical lives are unstable, but the psalmist here is saying, you know what else is unstable? You know what else isn't going to last? relationships. See, he's talking about being alone and feeling alone. How can somebody know what it's like to feel alone unless you've previously had what? Company, friendships. This guy has something that he can compare his life to. And he says, there was a time in my life when I had people around me. There was a time in my life when I had the security and the stability of of friendships. But something has changed. He's now isolated and he's come face to face with the reality that even the relationships in our lives are temporary. I one time read an author that, and he said, listen, one of the most beautiful things that you could ever see is a happy family sitting around a table enjoying the company of one another. We love to see that picture. 
But as the writer Isaac Watts said, time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. This psalmist is coming here and pointing out that all of us have a problem. Something that right now in our nation, in our world, we're experiencing. And it's this. Our lives are unstable and ever-changing. If we're really honest with ourselves... If, if we actually take a moment and examine the world around us, we'd realize while the structure seems secure, while our lives seem secure, at the end of the day, not even our lives are permanent. Our relationships aren't permanent. The Bible doesn't hide this truth. The Bible brings it out. We have this false sense of security until something like what we're experiencing now happens, and it shows us just how unstable everything actually is. This was a problem that the psalmist identified thousands of years ago, but still exists today. And for those of you that are worshiping online right now, you're thinking, boy, am I glad I tuned into this message. Thanks for for bringing up, Dave, all of the fears. Thanks for acknowledging the fact that we're all going to die and our relationships aren't going to last and that our world is unstable. Well, church family, here's the deal. We shouldn't need what is happening in our world today to make us aware of this. But, but now that we are, what can be done? Do we just throw up our hands and say, it's going to be what it's going to be? This is what we have to live in. We're we going to live in our fear. We're going to live in our despair. We're going to live in our anxiety. Are we a people, as the people of God, who simply give in to fear and give in to despair in an unstable world? Because I'm telling you right now, that's not changing. The instability of our world isn't going to change. Do we just throw our hands up? Well, if you read the rest of the psalm, you'll realize that while the psalmist calls it like it is, and while he laments and he weeps over what's happening in his life, he doesn't stay that way. The guy who's lamenting about life being a vapor and all around him changing, the guy who's totally depressed and rightfully so, he doesn't stay that way through the entire psalm. In fact, if you read the entirety of the psalm, by the end of it, you see he's actually at peace. Something changes for the psalmist, and it begs the question, what is it? What turns the man from despair and fear into peace and contentment? Is it his circumstances? Do those change? No. In fact, we begin to see the change happening in verse 12. But to get there, let's go back to verse 11. The psalmist says, My days are like an everlasting or an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Now verse 12, friends. But you, O Lord, are enthroned. How long? Forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. While the psalmist recognizes that the universe he's in is always changing, that it's unstable, there is something the psalmist remembers that is in his life, something in this universe that is unchanging, stable, and secure. The psalmist at the start says, I'm wasting away. Everything around me is failing. But then it hits him. He remembers. But you, O Lord, are enthroned for how long? Forever. 
My dear church family, in the face of an ever-changing and unstable world, the psalmist remembers, my God does not change. The psalmist reminds himself in the midst of his instability of something that he can depend on, something that we can depend on, something that gives him security, something that gives him an anchor, and it is his God. The reason the psalmist can say this and believe this is because one of the ways that our God reveals himself throughout the scriptures, one of the things that sets him apart from everything else is that church family, he is unchanging. When he spoke through the prophet Malachi in Malachi 3, 6, he said, I, the Lord, do not change. Circumstances, situations, relationships, lives, they change. God says, I do not change. Or through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 10, 10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Or then listen to this Psalm. I love this Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God reveals himself to us as an unchanging God. The peace and contentment that that switched inside of the psalmist that brought him out of his despair and his fear was reflecting back on this truth. Our God is unchanging. Now for us, we have to take a step back and like the psalmist say, but but why is that a comfort? Why is the idea of an unchanging God such a hope for us, such a peace for us? And, And here's the first thing that I would say to us. Are you ready for this? Because our God is unchanging, we find the comfort that we need because our God is here and he's not going anywhere. In the midst of what we're experiencing, our God is here. He didn't leave this situation. He's not somewhere else. He says, I'm with you. I'm in this. And he's not going anywhere. That's what an unchanging God means for us. As his people, we find comfort in this. See, the psalmist said over and over again in the psalm, This will pass away. That will pass away. I will pass away. But God says he will not pass away. Look at verses 25 and 20 through 27 of this psalm. Go down to the very end of it. At the very end of this psalm, and we read these words. The psalmist, again, is is he's telling his heart what he needs to hear. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But, but you are the same and your years have no end. The psalmist is saying everything else is changing, but, but here's what I cling to. The God in whom I hope, the God in whom I trust, you're not going to change. You're not going anywhere. This is why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, 4, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, our God, is an everlasting rock. For those of you who have been to some of our great national parks, if you've been to Yosemite, you've seen Half Dome, this monumental, gigantic granite formation. 
and it just stands there, and it's majestic, and it's, and it's huge. And whenever I read this verse, I think of that. Our God is an everlasting rock. Do you know why the psalmist and why the prophets, they would refer to God as a rock? They would do it because in their minds at that time and place in history, a rock was the most solid, most consistent of all the elements of creation. It was impossible for, for people to, dis- to imagine back then a rock going anywhere. And, and so when we think about our God, we think about this, this rock that is there, that is secure, that's not leaving. God is the rock on which we may fix our feet. No matter what comes our way, God shall not be moved. He is here and he is with us. It's why 500 years ago, Martin Luther, this great theologian and pastor who knew something about his world being turned upside down, who knew about persecution, who knew about an unstable life, he would write these words, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, he does seek to work us woe, his, his craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And though this world with devils filled. Should threaten to undo us. We will not fear for God hath willed. His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo his doom is sure. One little word word will fell him. Martin Luther was a person. Who understood this truth. Our God is here. And he's not going anywhere from everlasting to everlasting he is god church before the coronavirus came god was here and he's going to be here afterwards knowing that our god is unchanging is the comfort we need because it means that nothing will shake him nothing will move him. And if nothing will move him, then he is the anchor that we can cling to, that we can look to and trust and know that if we hold to him, when everything else passes away, he will still be there. But there's one more thing. It's not just a comfort for us to know that our God is here and he's not going anywhere. As I was reflecting upon this and what the psalmist is pointing us to, there's one more truth for us to consider. Nothing that is happening is going to change God's plan. Because our God is an unchanging God, his plans do not change. Nothing that is happening is going to change God's plan. What he has set out to do, he will accomplish. It's not as though God is in heaven and he's surprised by all that's going on and he's trying to figure out how am I going to respond. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says this, this is, what, this is the call to us. This is what God is calling us to. It says, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish how many? All my purpose. Verse 11 says, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. It doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? When God has decreed something, it will happen. He accomplishes everything that he has planned to do. And I loved long before this, Moses said in Numbers, 
God is not a man, this is Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? This is the comfort of an unchanging God. He's not going to change course. Because he's a God who is perfect and who is loving and who is holy. Think about what that means. His character is unchanging as well. It means that the plans that he's always had are, are plans that are, that are sourced out of, begin out of his love and out of his holiness and out of his righteousness. And so all of God's plans are righteous and they're holy and they're good. And because he's unchanging, we can trust that all of his plans and everything that he is doing, number one, it won't change, but it too is holy and it's perfect and it's good. You see, God is so unlike us. We as, we as humans, we, we, have, we have a problem. We, we can't always stick to our, our plans. And there's kind of two things that cause us to change our mind. And that's why it's hard for us to imagine that God can, can do exactly what he says because, because see, we are, we're limited in our power and we're limited in our knowledge. That's why our plans change. That's why things come into our life and there's instability because we don't always have the power to do something about the things that are happening. And if you don't have the power to do something, you might have a plan. You might say, this is what I want to do. But if you don't have the power, then then your plan's going to change. When I was in high school, a buddy and I had decided that we were going to take this boat out to a lake and we were going to row across the lake in this boat to, to an island. And our plan was to go and explore the island together. And so, so we got out into the lake in our boat and we began to paddle. And as we got out into the lake, our plan was, we're going to get to that island. We're going to go explore. But as we got out into the lake, the wind began to blow. And two guys in this rowboat with a blowing wind, we quickly realized something. We were going in the opposite direction. See, we had a plan. We had the knowledge of what we needed to do, but we didn't have the what? We didn't have the power to accomplish that plan. So guess what? We had to change our plans. And in fact, we had to row the boat to shore, but we ended up being about a half mile from where we started with this big boat, and so we had to carry it all the way back. See, we change our plans because we're not powerful enough. And then sometimes our plans change because we haven't thought it all the way through. Uh, Things come in to our mind all of a sudden. We we say, we're going to go this direction or, or that direction, but then we get there and we realize, oh, geez, oh, no. Now this has happened, and, and I don't know exactly how to respond. My friends, nothing that is happening is going to change God's plans because he knows everything. He is all-powerful. Our God is here. He is with us in what is happening, and he's not going anywhere. And he has the power to accomplish everything that he has set out from the beginning to do. Nothing is going to thwart him. Now, on a foundational level, why does this bring us peace and hope. See, I've been making an assumption here this morning. My assumption is that everybody that I'm talking to this morning knows the God who made the heavens and the earth as their God. I'm making an assumption here this morning that that you have a personal relationship with him because you are in Jesus Christ. You see, see everything that I've said up to this point, the hope and the comfort that we have of, of God as our anchor because he's not going anywhere. The hope and comfort that we have that, that God has a plan and he's going to accomplish that plan and nothing's going to thwart it. See, that's only a comfort to us if we are in Jesus Christ. 
Because here's, here's the truth. It's only those who are in Jesus Christ who can cling to God as that secure rock and as that secure foundation. It's, it's only those of us who are in Jesus Christ who can cling to these words in Romans chapter 8, words that we already heard. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. You see, what Paul is saying here is, if you know God as Father in and through Jesus Christ, then you know that God is at work and that you can cling to him. And then he goes on to say, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be what? Against us. The world and the things in our world, our jobs, our communities, our relationships, they can appear stable. They can seem like, like things that we can rely upon. But I'm here to tell you, closer inspection tells us that, that while you might get a little way up, while they might offer you some security and some support, at the end of the day, even those things aren't secure. There is only one rock. There is only one thing that we can cling to, and that is a God who saves a God who says, I'm here for you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. But that is a promise for those who've put their faith and trust in him. And so my first question is, are you living in fear today? Do you live with anxiety? I want you to know that the psalmist, he did something in the face of fear and anxiety. Do you know what the first thing he did? Is he wept. He wept. He called out to God and, and he said, do you see my life? Do you see the instability? Do you see how everything is fading away? Listen, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to bring before God the reality of our situation, the difficulty of what it is that we find ourselves in today. But, but we don't stay there. What we do is we take that fear and we take that anxiety and we bring it before the Lord and we can believe that he hears us. If we're in Jesus Christ today, if, if our God is our Savior, if he is our rescuer, then we come to him and we say, despite the instability of all of these things, Lord, I cling to you because I know that you're not going anywhere. And I know that all of your promises to me are true and that you keep your promises. Are you afraid today? Go to him. Call out to him. Acknowledge these fears before him. But then turn to him and say, God, the, the greatest thing that I should ever be afraid of, the, the, the thing that, that I should despair the most about, the instability of my life, the fact that I'm mortal, God, you've taken care of that through Jesus Christ. He died the death that I should have died so I can now live the life that I was designed to live. And I can trust that when you promise me salvation in and through Jesus Christ, you will do it because you are the God who does not change. Have you put your faith and trust in him for your salvation? If you've trusted in the promise of God, then all the more church family, we get to come today together in worship while not under one roof, but under many different roofs and to be able to say we can trust in our God and his plans and his purposes because he is the unchanging God. And yeah, there's things in our world that are unstable. There are things that call us, cause us to fear. But we come to your word and we say, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? 
Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or coronavirus or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. And so Paul closes in Romans by saying, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can believe these words. We can believe this promise because we have an unchanging God. In the days and weeks that follow, this is my prayer for you. This is all of our prayers as leaders in the church's prayer for you and for our own families. That we would look to our God who is unchanging and steadfast, who makes promises and who keeps those promises. And so will you cling to him? Will you run to him? Will you trust in him? So that like the psalmist, while your heart today might have started out in a place of fear, that you would remember the unchanging God. And that that will give you a hope and a confidence and a peace. And in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to pray and I'm going to invite the band back up. But before I do that, I also want us as the people of God to consider something just for a moment. I want us to consider this. We've talked a lot about the church the last few weeks. We've talked about our mission as the people of God. And... We've talked about the fact that we exist to glorify God by being and making disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I started by saying that we're in an unprecedented season in our nation's history and even in the history of our church where churches around America are actually taking um, at least three weeks right now of not being able to gather for corporate worship, which is crazy because like one of the things that we believe as a church, one of the, the core things of being and making disciples is gathering for corporate worship. And so we're like not being able to do that, at least under one roof. But, but I was even looking, and there's, there's almost like a hundred, it seemed, that we're already gathering online, and that's so great to see. But, but here's my challenge to you. Church, don't give in to fear, but, but give all the more into faith. And, and with your schedule and your lives being completely upended for these next few weeks, do you realize the actual, bear with me when I say this, church, the gift that that is? Because for probably the first time in most of our lives, we are having the opportunity to pull back literally from everything. And we're being able to ask the question, what really matters? What really matters? You see, because all of our activities are being canceled. All the sports, all the schools, all the everything. Every, everything that we normally would give ourselves to, it, it's being pulled back from. And here's my challenge to us. Would you consider taking these weeks, seeing a more open schedule? All of our schedules have now opened up incredibly. That God is now actually giving us the opportunity as the people of God here in America to answer the question, will we cling to the God who saved us so that we would no longer live for ourselves but for him? You and your family and my family are going to have a lot more free time. How are we going to use it? In these days, how will we use 
the openness of our schedules to make much of him. We can't gather for corporate worship. We can do that online. But can we still grow spiritually in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we still go sharing the gospel with the lost around us? I'm telling you, the world needs that now more than ever. You might not be able to go to somebody because you got that six-foot radius thing, whatever it is. But do you realize that you can still grow spiritually? Would you consider taking the next two weeks here when your schedules all change and saying, I'm actually going to build in new habits and draw deeper into Jesus. I'm not just going to Netflix this thing. Disney Plus put out Frozen 2 to help kids be, be preoccupied. Take family devotions together. Spend time telling your children about an unchanging God because you know what their hearts need when they don't know what's going on? They need to know more about their God. Let's take this time as a church family to, to believe what we proclaim like the psalmist of who our God is and, then, and to continue to grow in him. Let's take this time to consider and use all that free time that we have instead of going to practice as an activity and school event and, and work events to say, I'm going to use those hours and I'm going to use those moments uh, while I might not be able to go to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can pray for the lost that are amongst us. And I consider how I'm going to give and the sacrifices that I'm going to make and how I'm going to use my gifts even in the limited resources that we might have to make much of him. Had you thought about using your time right now and actually the gift that this might be? There's a lot of instability. There's a lot of insecurity. But I'm telling you, when we go to an unchanging God, when we cling to him, we begin to say, now, Lord, how might, because I cling to you, a rock, a sure rock, how am I going to live no longer for myself but for him? Can you imagine the impact that this would have in the church, not just in Valley Center, but in our country and in our world, if all of us took this time and reset our lives and focused now on what really matters? And I'm telling you, there's only one thing that matters. Living for the God who saved us. I want to invite the band back on up. They're going to lead us one more time in a in a song, we're going to go back to one of the songs that we sang earlier to proclaim these truths of, of who our God is and what it means for us. And as they come forward, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord, we come before you and we recognize these truths. We recognize that um, our hearts can be in a million different places this morning. But I pray that when it's all said and done, the one thing that would ring true in our ears is that you are an unchanging God. And so we're going to look to you. We're going to cling to you. We're going to hope in you. And then because we're able to do that in and through Jesus Christ, Lord, we're going to no longer live for ourselves, but we're going to seek even in these moments, Lord, to reorient our lives around you and to take all the free moments that, that we have and to be able to say, Lord, how would I continue to grow spiritually? How can I be, be praying for the, for the lost and, and sharing the hope of the good news with those who are in fear and in turmoil, Lord? And what would it look like for me to, to give of, of what you've given me, Lord, that I'm not going to be a hoarder and I'm not going to take, take this stuff off the shelves just for myself, but, but I'm going to go to my friends and my neighbors and those in need, and I'm going to be willing to, to give, because that's what the people of God do. And so, Lord, hear our cries, hear our prayers, and we praise you that you do. And we ask all these things in Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen.